praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. Please pray with me. It's good to be together, Father. It's good to remember um, these bodies that are a part of your body. And now would you give us your word? Would you anoint us all with your spirit? Amen. So when Sharon and I were involved in homeless shelter work, one of the staff people, Cliff, dared our son Simeon to eat a live worm. And uh, he didn't just say, you know, I dare you to eat a live worm. He said, I tell you what, if I eat a live worm, I dare you to eat a live worm. And so Simeon agreed. And so uh, Cliff ate a live worm, and then Simeon ate a live worm. Now, I'm not going to dare you to eat a live worm this morning. I'd much rather dare, dare you to hope. But that rather uncomfortable scenario gives us a sense for what it means to dare to do something. It's to do something uncomfortable, outside of our comfort zone, something that really feels risky. And in this case, Simeon really trusted Cliff. They, they were really tight together. He, he didn't know what to think of this idea, but if Cliff thought it was a good idea and Cliff did it, then he would do it. Now, I'll let you decide if it was a good idea or not. Um, but this morning, you know, I, as I said earlier, I'm just so aware of, of all that's happening. You know, sometimes people will refer to the three Ps, the pandemic, the protests, and the politics. And each of these, on their own, is a, an enormous potential sort source of stress. And each of these has its own sort of tributaries. You know, think of the pandemic. I think of teachers in our church and teachers in general and parents and students that are going into the school week. Um, we have Head Start kids that are coming into this building this week. And, and there's so much stress and confusion. And it's like it's a moving target. Things change every day. And then you have the protests and all the wondering about what all that means and its implications and, 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 uh, and then all the politics. 
and as if our lives normally didn't have enough stress, now we have these three Ps that, that uh, are sort of a perfect storm. And like I said earlier, there's a word that surfaces in such time, again times, again and again in Scripture. And that's hope. Faith, hope, and love. These three remain, and the greatest of these is love. Thing is, it's pretty difficult to continually love when you don't have faith and when you don't have hope. Well, hope is one of those things that can be difficult just to try to muster. You know, I'm just going to try to make myself feel hope. And there's a few things in our passage today that I, I sense for myself make it more possible to hope. And the first thing is daring to praise. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Praise shifts the attention from the problem to the problem solver. It shifts my awareness from the fact that I'm not feeling in control to the fact that God is ultimately in control. It moves my focus to um, what I can see or not see to what God can see. This God for whom everywhere is here and all of time is now. And ultimately, not just what he can see, but the vision he has for this world, for you and me, for this entire world and universe. And the thing is, praise is what we do. I mean, there's a, there's a sense in which we just simply do praise. I just got done reading a book called uh, Strange Rites, and it's, it's this survey of all the burgeoning spiritualities and religions in our culture right now, and it was just, my mind just it's fun as I, as I read all that's going on, the mixing, the matching, the new things. There's, you know, a, some, there's a whole movement that, you could be, that could be called fandom. And by the way, um, this person defines a religion or spirituality as anything for, to which we're looking for meaning, purpose, community, and some kind of ritual or rite. But there's fandom, you know, being a fan of a certain celebrity or team or it could be Harry Potter or Star Trek, and you go online and there's a bunch of other people that are fans of the same person or activity, um, and there's a sense of community, there's a sense of mission and purpose, and, and we just do. I mean, we just are prone to worship. Let me go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, and this is something I've repeated quite often over the last several months. We were made in the image of God, and to be made in the image of God mainly means two things. It means to worship, and it means to reign. So here's God in chapter one, creates this incredible universe, this, this cathedral, and those who are familiar with the literature of the ancient Near East say this is, this is the language that's used for building a temple, a cathedral. And so here's Adam and Eve, sort of high priests, in this, in this cathedral, in this temple. And then there's the fact that they are called to reign. We're told twice at the end of that first chapter, let us make human beings in our image, male and female, and let them rule, let them reign over all of creation. And we actually see these two things brought together just before the Ten Commandments. 
when God says to his people, let's have a covenant together. I want you to be a kingdom of priests. And Peter just brings these ideas together when he says, he says about us, we are a royal priesthood. So we're, we're made, we're made to worship. And, and the heart of worship is praise. It's not all we do when we worship. This, this book of Psalms has been the most uh, important prayer book, worship book in the history, not only of Christianity, but the Judeo-Christian faith. Sharon and I didn't have a chance this year to go to St. Gregory's Abbey in Three Rivers, uh, Michigan. And, uh, but we, when we go there, you know, the monks have seven worship services a day. And all the worship services are basically praying the Psalms. They pray through all 150 Psalms every single week. And in these Psalms, we have Psalms of lament. We have songs of, uh, Psalms of, of complaint. We have Psalms of uh, confession, petition. And yet, eventually, they all revolve back to praise. Because praise is what we do. And so these last five psalms of the book of Psalms are all psalms of praise. Psalm 145, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Our psalm, Psalm 146, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. So first there's that act of, of, of worship. Praise the Lord. And then there's that call to worship. The psalmist is calling himself. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. And the word soul in Hebrew refers to our entire being. It's like Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, with all that is within me. Bless his holy name. So this is call to worship God with our entire being. And then there's a commitment, a long-term commitment to worship and to praise. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Psalm 147. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. Singing is one of the ways that we praise. It's not the only way. We pray. We, uh, we lift up hands. We fold our hands. We sit. We stand. Sometimes we're just still and silent. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. We praise him because he's praiseworthy. He's worthy of our praise. It's fitting. It's not only fitting because that's what we're made to do. And we're going to worship something. We're all going to worship something if it's not God. But it's also fitting because he deserves it. It's not just something we choose to do. We choose to worship him because of what he's done and who he is. We have this sanctuary. And today we experience it as a gift to be back here for those of us who are here today. It's a gift. It's a special place. But then there's the sanctuary of all creation. This incredible, beautiful cathedral in which we live. And then there's the sending of Jesus Christ, his son, God the son in human flesh. 
And Jesus, during his whole ministry, when he taught and healed and fed people and also adjusted the climate on occasion, yeah, that's within his control as well. Good thing, ultimately. Um, and, and then he died. And we're forgiven. And he rose again as a sign, as actually the beginning of the new creation. It's, it's guaranteed, it's signed and sealed with Jesus' own blood. It's going to happen, there's gonna be a new creation and it's gonna happen very soon. And so we've got good reasons to praise. His daily provision. And so Paul says, rejoice always. I'm gonna say it again, rejoice. And he's sitting in prison. And every day he's still seeing reasons to praise God. Every day he gets that daily manna of food or of God's word, opportunities to serve him, God blessing him through others. He had the opportunity to preach to the prison guards. He talks about this in his letter. He's worthy. He's worthy. And praise for a believer, for a follower of Jesus, isn't circumstance-specific. Yeah, when things are going well, then I'll praise God. And when they're not going well, I'll withhold praise. That's not how it works. And so uh, praise is what we do. Psalm uh, 148, praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heights above, praise him all his angels, praise him all his heavenly host, praise him sun and moon, praise him all you shining stars. And this, this goes on for 10 verses. And it's, it's, it's performing that high priestly role. We're calling all of creation to join us in praising God. Psalm 149, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. I learned a new song this week. It's called The Goodness of God. And I, I so wish we could have done it this morning. Couldn't quite pull that off. I, I, I have been so moved by this song. Um, the goodness of God, his faithfulness. His praise in the assembly of his faithful people. Just as God is faithful, so we are faithful. I think in this country, um, it's very, very difficult for us to have a biblical understanding of worship. Um, because we live as consumers. All those religions I talked about earlier that are just mushrooming and burgeoning, they're about grasping at some kind of experience. There's nothing wrong with experience. We should ex have experiences in our relationship with God. But that's not ultimately what worship is about. Worship isn't about having an experience. Worship is this opportunity we have to direct the attention to our maker and creator and savior. And so yesterday I read an article on worship and it was really a good article. It talked about how unsatisfying worship can be during this pandemic. Certainly when we have to do it online, but even when, we, when we're able to do it physically, all the stuff we can't do today. And the, and the person made a good point. He said, you know, this is really a way for us to get in touch with really the way it is all the time. 
We shouldn't be surprised if we're dissatisfied spiritually or dissatisfied with our lives. Something a whole lot better is, is coming. And that, that dissatisfaction could be a holy dissatisfaction. Because it's a reminder to what we have to look forward to. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. And at the same time, his language, the language of the writer, seemed to reflect the sort of thing we're talking about. Whether or not worship is satisfying. And that's really not the point. That's really not the point. He's God, He's worthy. And when we get that straight, we actually are set free. We, we really have to be set free from ourselves to be fully alive. And worship is an opportunity to do that. And so God's people are faithful. Faithful not only in worshiping, but in gathering in the assembly to worship. Not because, simply because we need it, which I know I do, but because God loves it when his people gather. God loves it when we are faithful in gathering to worship him. No matter what our circumstances, no matter how challenging it is, he's God. He's God. I mean, imagine you know, there being some event that you're actually able to go to during this pandemic and involves your child or maybe your spouse, your child gets an award or your, or your spouse gets an award and then, and, and you go, and afterwards you said, you know, well, you know, I, I, I really can't praise you right now. It would just be inappropriate with this pandemic going on. You know, these, these, these are hard times. Of course you would praise your spouse. Of course you would praise your child. No matter what the circumstance, you're going to bless your loved one. And then there's our Father in heaven, our brother Jesus, who we just sung about. And then finally, that last song. Praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his acts of power, praise him for his surpassing greatness, praise him with the sound of the trumpet, praise him with the harp and lyre, praise him with timbrel and dancing, praise him with the strings and pipe, praise him with a clash of cymbals, praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And so we dare to praise. I don't think I've ever met anyone who, who was consistent at daring to hope who didn't also dare to praise. We also dare to trust. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. You know, we in this country chafe if we have to be under a president we don't like. Whoever that is, we've all had that experience for four years. A Jew in, in this time could chafe under a leader they didn't like for 40 years. And we're just not talking about a, a, a prince or a king that's not very good at their job. We're talking about, if you've ever read Kings or Chronicles, we're talking about some really evil guys. And in that, in that um, tradition, 
you know, politics and religion and economics, it's all of a piece. And sometimes I've wondered how did a faithful Jew remain faithful in those sorts of circumstances? It could be 10, 20, 30, 40 years. It could be two years. Sometimes it was an assassination. But basically, I think the ratio is like eight or nine out of 10 bad kings. And so the psalmist says, yeah, even if you get a good one, you're pretty sure that the next one is going to erase all the benefits of the last one. Don't put your trust in princes. I've already talked about the three Ps, but there's another three Ps. Don't put your trust in princes, presidents, or pundits. You know, pundits are those who claim to have some insight into what's going on. And we all have our favorite pundits, people that we listen to. But also maybe to put our trust in God. And so this is my advice to you in this season. And certainly it's true of politics, but it's true of other circumstances in our life. And it's really been helpful for me. You know, you've heard the expression, uh, you know, walk and chew gum at the same time. Maybe run and chew gum at the same time or eat and talk at the same time, whatever metaphor you want to use. There are two things that are equally important. As far as whatever's happening right now, whether it's the pandemic or politics or whatever, play full out. Be as informed as you can. By the way, on November 3, you're going to have the opportunity to reign, to rule. That's what we do. And before then, you'll have the opportunity to learn and think, discuss with other people, hopefully in a spirit of humility, okay? Be informed, really engage, and trust God. Play full out in your trust in God. Do that at the very same time. Really engage and really trust God. Trust God not only for what happens, but trust him to work with whatever happens. Because that's what he does. And I am really finding that that's giving me some new energy to play full out and trying to learn, trying to be informed, and at the same time, to believe and trust in God completely for what happens and with whatever happens. And that's true of, of our lives in general. I think, I think of teachers this week. Do the best that you can. You play full out and, and then trust God. Or parents or kids. I mean, we've had to do that this morning. And an enormous amount of work went into this worship service. I know a couple places it, it didn't show very well so far. But you, you do the best that you can and then you trust God. Both are important for followers of Jesus. And Jesus himself modeled that when he walked on this earth. And then finally, um, we dare to live compassionately. That's how we lean into the future. We're not gonna wait for politicians. We're gonna do what we can do now. That's not to downplay the importance of policies and and politicians and legislation. But we don't have to wait for that. We don't have to wait for, you know, everybody to have their spiritual act together for us to be faithful to God. We don't have to wait for, um, um, for uh, um, politicians to carry out God's kingdom work, for us to do that kingdom work. Listen to what the psalmist says. He is the maker of heaven and earth. 
He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. Now we can take that line, the Lord loves the righteous, two ways. We can say, okay, the Lord loves hungry people who are righteous. He'll feed hungry people who happen also to be righteous people. He's willing to come to the aid of prisoners as long as they're righteous prisoners. He's willing to come alongside those with physical disabilities and are mentally oppressed if they're righteous. That's one way of understanding that line. If we look at the whole of scripture, I'm gonna opt for the second, and the second is this. It's people who care for the hungry. It's people who care for the oppressed. It's people who visit prisoners. It's people who care for those who are mentally overwhelmed. They're the righteous ones. And part of the reason I'm convinced of that is just this week reading Job in the daily lectionary readings. Job recounts his righteousness. He says, I, I, I don't know why this is happening in my life. And he and it basically follows this list. These are the things that I did when I lost everything. That's how he defined righteousness. The Lord watches over the foreigner. Let that in. Leviticus 19. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You all remember that one, right? But do you also know another verse in Leviticus? I forget the specific verse. It's you shall love the foreigner as yourself. And sustains the fatherless and the widow. And he frustrates the ways of the wicked who contribute to those who do these things to people. So we don't have to wait for, for politicians. And so we've got this little uh, thing going in front of our church. I was gonna say food pantry, but there's more than that going on these days. And so, um, yeah, we've got that food pantry. We've got a pet food pantry. We've got a little library going there. We've got a bench. A lot of people are on that bench. Have, I have the privilege of having a lot of conversations with people on that bench. And more, more recently, Alan Tigert, by the request of the, of the prayer team, made a prayer request box. It's just beautiful. I hope you'll notice that as you leave today. And people are using that. And I know for my wife Sharon, it's been quite moving. These are real people, and they're really hungry. And they're also hungry for God. They're talking about that. And there's other stuff going on in their lives. They're real people, and they're asking for prayer. And so we get to pray for them. Isn't that cool? I mean, that's a part of all that goes on out there. And it isn't unusual for me to have the opportunity to, to meet people who are sitting on the bench and, and to pray for them. I had that opportunity this morning with a, a, a good and beautiful friend of mine from the neighborhood. And so this all anticipates, you see, when, when Jesus is coming back and he's gonna make everything new, he gave us a taste of that during his ministry. 
And, and, and there's no spiritual qualifications at people. I mean, there's no perfect people allowed. Maybe you notice the sign, and that's not only for worship, but it also applies to our food pantry and everything else that goes on out there. And I know that's the case because of, of how God is described in this passage. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob. That lying, conniving cheat, Jacob. And so if God is helping Jacob, I know that there aren't spiritual qualifications for our helping others. And by the way, this is pretty much the list that I'm going to base my voting on this year. These are the boxes I'm going to check for, for how I decide to vote. These seem to be God's priorities, and so I'm going to make these my priorities. And there's no perfect candidate, and we all have to compromise. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O oh God, for all generations. Our God reigns. He reigns now, and He reigns forever. And he will see his vision through to fulfillment. And so I dare to hope. I dare to hope and I hope I can grease the skids a bit by daring to praise each and every day for the rest of my life. And also dare to trust. Yeah, play full out, but then trust him. And then finally, daring to live compassionately. Let's pray. Thank you for your care for us and for the world. And Lord, I can't help but ask, so, so how are you going to do these things for people? And then I remember that we were made to reign. We were made to be your hands and feet. May we open our eyes to opportunities to do that. May we make sure that that food pantry is filled so that we don't have to allow it to, to be vacant a couple of days a week. I pray, Lord, that each of us, wherever we live, work and play and learn, will be ready and alert to minister to anyone who's experiencing a sense of deprivation physically or emotionally. Lord, I pray for Mary Ann Reed who lost her husband Lester this week. Will you comfort her? Will you also provide for her? Will you care for and protect the students and teachers that are a part of our congregation, that are a part of this building? and throughout our land. Lord, show them your mercy. Grant them wisdom in navigating these times and protect them. And Lord, I can't think of a better prayer to pray during such times as the prayer that you taught your disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts 
as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.